Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and this is episode 137. Great show for you on this episode, and we're thrilled, we, I don't know who else is in the room, me, I am thrilled that you're here and that you're listening. This has been great, had a great week. You know, things are going fantastic. I want to say, say thank you and a shout out to uh, Nathaniel and Dominique DeMille, who successfully funded the crowdfunding crowdfunding boot camp with Richard Bliss in Arkansas. I'm headed to Arkansas in about a week and a half to go do that. I want to say thank you and a shout out to them. We've got a great show, so tell you what, let's go straight to our guest. My guest today is someone who I've known uh, for a few years in the board game industry. Uh, they are kind of unique in that I use the word they, like the royal we, um, uh, he represents a fairly large company in the board game space that has a project on Kickstarter that they canceled and then relaunched. And so I've asked Mark Kaufman, Vice President of Marketing for Days of Wonder, to come on and kind of talk about their experience with Kickstarter and their Kickstarter campaign. And let's ask him a whole bunch of questions. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Richard. Glad to be here. It is. It's kind of fun to have you here. Um, so let's just, we'll just, you know what, we're going to jump right in. Uh, I think most of my listeners who are gamers are going to know Days of Wonder. The current project you have out there is, why don't you tell me, what's the current project you have out on Kickstarter? Well, Small World 2, um, and we're calling it Small World 2 The Return, because we, we, we launched a Kickstarter uh, campaign for this back in January. Um, and the idea is that, um, small world has been obviously a board game now since 2009, um, a year after it came out, we launched the iPad version of small world, which, um, to be brutally honest, was a crash project designed to get the game out, uh, the first day that the iPads were available. Um, so we had to limit the, uh, functionality of the game just to make sure we could get it out. So it was two player you play either face to face, you know, kind of, or against a, a bot yourself, and that was about it. We did a few minor upgrades to it on the iPad, um, added some of the early expansions to it, so more races and more special powers. Um, but we ended up moving over to focus on the development of Ticket to Ride on the digital stuff on the iPad, and the iPhone. Um, obviously, both the games are very important to us. Ticket to Ride is is a much more dominant game in terms of the amount of you know, people who play it, the appeal uh, and the demand, of course, uh, for digital versions of it. So we do all of our development in-house, which means we've got limited resources to apply to things. And so we kind of let small world languish for a while. Okay, so and, uh, so you just threw out a whole bunch of stuff there. So let, let, me, let me just back up here. So you, Days of Wonder is, is, has traditionally been a board game company, as in right. cardboard. And you're saying that uh, it was a rush job or a crash job because did you guys just wake up one day and say, hey, this iPad thing's coming out. It would be cool if, uh, if we had a game on the iPad. I mean, how'd that work? Well, we had been doing um, PC and Mac versions of our games for quite some time. Actually, we all have a – we um, almost the entire company comes from a software background. Um, all the founders do. We work for software companies doing developments. Um, for a long time, and, and we entered the board game space as a way to sort of say, you know what, we think there are some things we have learned doing software and doing tech that we can apply into this, you know, less technical arena, if you will. Um, but we always knew in the back of our minds that we thought that there was a place for board games uh, to be done, uh, you know, electronically. Uh, and the original goal of that was to help 
people learn how to play the games. We think that the barrier for most board games for, for broad audiences is actually learning the rules. Now, if you're a board game geek, you love reading the rules and love playing your games, and that's it. But the vast majority of people are a little bit afraid and, and tenuous when it comes to learning new things. And the digital versions, uh, again, originally, uh, you know, we had online versions that we could, we could play online uh, of, of Ticket to Ride, of um, our card game that's called Gang of Four, some of the other small games that we did. And the whole idea was just to get here's a way to learn the games in a, you know, on your own go online, download it, play, and, and have fun with it. Well, that exploded in terms of the number of people who were interested in it. We had people, Wait, so um, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people playing. So. Playing what, Small World? Uh, playing uh, Ticket to Ride originally. Okay, so, um, but Small World was your first, uh, I guess, iPad. iPad, version. iPad, but Ticket to Ride had been out online, is that what you're saying, as a web interface? Yeah, correct. So we had always been doing digital versions. So it wasn't like we woke up one day and said, we need to do an iPad version just out of the blue. It was a transition from here's a new platform. And for us, the iPad offered this fantastic, tablets offered this fantastic new way to play that was most like the reality of playing a a physical cardboard game. Um, You could lay it flat on the table in front of you, and that's what we focused on with the original Small World on iPad, is the idea was you can play face-to-face. You plop it down, and you're on one side of the table, I'm on the other. And it was the first electronic device that sort of disappeared while you were playing it because it felt like you were playing the board game. But of course it handled a lot of the things that the record keeping and things, the record keeping, moving the chips and keeping score and all that sort of stuff automatically. And that's what we fell in love with the, with, you know, with, with the iPad and then the whole idea of tablets of here's this thing that makes it feel like you're just playing a board game in front of you. Yeah. And I, and I know that's true. I had uh, somebody come over to my house once I met them for the first time and we were talking and I just mentioned my involvement with board games and they said, Oh, I don't really play board games, but I have a, a, I think he worked at Apple and he was really proud because he had an iPad and he says, well, I've got this game. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And he says, I played this game, small world. And I (laughs) said, well, not only have I heard of it and I got up, left the room, went into my office, picked up my copy of Small World, brought it back to him, and his eyes about popped out of his head because he had no idea that it actually was a board game. He just thought it was the coolest right. game he'd ever seen on the iPad. And so so you had the iPad, the Small World, then you ported over Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride has been, I think we've talked in the past, it has just exploded for you as far as a iPhone, just as an entire mobile experience, right? Yeah, we, we've had uh, over a million downloads uh, of, of, of Ticket to Ride. And I think um, the, the thing that's really interesting about this is we're, we're to my knowledge, really the only company that's doing both the development of the board games, the publishing part of it, as well as the, the digital versions all in-house. So we can kind of track how each of those impacts each other. We're big believers uh, that each side helps the other in terms of promoting the game. You might discover it on the iPad. Uh, and then go, oh, there's a board game? Great, just like your friend did. Um, and the other thing happens in, in the opposite direction, of course. You may be a small world player, and you get an iPad or a tablet or a phone. And go, ah, this is available here. I can go play it uh, you know, in a different setting uh, than I might normally but play how, the game. I, but how know, do you measure There's me- no one around I can go play it. So. How do you measure that? How do you measure, oh, this person who experienced this on the digital platform uh, has transferred over to a physical copy salesperson? How do you track that kind of information? Well, there's a couple of ways to do it. One, in a general way, 
we've been able to do, um, we, we can certainly track downloads of all of our digital games. We know when people purchase um, from, you know, from iTunes uh, a copy of the game. Um, we know when people download it from our website to play uh, a PC version of it, if you will, or a Mac version. So we, we know when sales occur. And we know that there'll be peak sales that happen. We've done promotions uh, specifically with Ticket to Ride um, where we'll make the pocket version, that's the iPhone version, that we will um, reduce the price or make it free for a short period of time. Um, We then get literally hundreds of thousands of downloads in a three- or four-day period. And then I can track back and see sales bumps that follow that about six to eight weeks after that, where they discovered new people discovered the game because it was free on their iPhone. And then they ended up going into retail stores and purchasing the game. So I can see a direct correlation just in terms of sales bumps. I actually had a vendor who said, can you explain to me why we had these two sales jumps here this period, this period. And I looked at them. Well, there were three periods. And one of them was, will we tabletop show, <laughs> which which generated a lot of interest in the game. And the other two were promotions that we had done that on you know the iPhone uh, for Ticket to Ride that six weeks later led to this big jump of sales at this retailer. Um, so and that- it was a, clearly a direct correlation. And we also get anecdotal things. People email us and tell us, oh, I never heard of you guys. I never heard of Small World until you know somebody said I need to get this on my iPad and lo and behold I found out there was a board game uh, so I went and bought it. So is that I mean we also get registrations of games as well. So people can register their board games on our website too. So we can kind of track that. Um, so I was gonna and, say is that you know, with with that kind of data then coming and it's having a direct impact on on retailers, do you have you thought about or do you send out now a heads up that hey you might want to order extra copies because we've we're about to do a promotion <laughs> Type th- I mean, it would seem to make sense, right? Well, I, I make sure that our that our distributor has um, quantity of games that are available for them. And one of the nice things about the distribution business on the retail side is that stores can get their games um, literally the next day after the order. In most cases, uh, a vast majority are within one day of shipping of placing an order of, you know, they're low on ticket to ride, they need to order some, and we do that. And we do try and keep people up, updated about what we're doing from a promotional standpoint when things are occurring, um, so they will know that. And we tell, you know, the sales team of our distributor uh, to be aware of some promotions that we're doing as well so they can share that. Got it. Okay. Well, that, that's very helpful. Now, in this case now, so ticket to ride, small world. Now, all of a sudden, well, all of a sudden, so in January, uh, Days of Wonder decides, hey, we're going to do a Kickstarter project for Small World 2. You had it right. up for a little while. You raised quite a bit of money. And then suddenly, poof, you decided that you were going to cancel that project and relaunch. So tell me, what's the thought process that went into What, what happened there? Sure. Um, we're pretty confident that, that the first Small World 2 campaign would have funded um, the reason, cause we were already, you know, well over halfway there when we shut it down. Um, I, the reason we canceled it was that too many, uh, backers or potential backers were confused about what it was they were backing. We had, um, done quite a mix of different types of rewards. Um, some of them for digital versions, some of them for physical components for the game. Um, and, and we've included that, some of those in the new things, but we've greatly reduced it uh, in this new campaign. But the, the whole point of stopping and then saying we're going to relaunch this was to make sure that 
you know, our customers weren't unclear or unhappy about what it was that we were offering to them. So it, it wasn't about, oh, do we, you know, we, we have to get this funded and we think we can, but to do it, it was how do we make sure our customers are happy with the process that we create and that it's very clear to them what it is that they are funding. And, uh, you know, to be honest, it was a learning you know, process of we thought we spelled out what it is we were doing and uh, people just came back with a feedback. It's like, this is just too confusing. I don't know what you're trying to fund here. I'm not sure what I'm backing. Is it a digital version? Is it an Android tablet version? Okay. Is it the new iPad version? Was I'm it, unclear. Was it, was um, there, so, did, you, did, you, did you worry that canceling it was going to cast some type of uh, negative uh, light on this whole project and what you were doing? Well, I think one of the things um, both you have said in the past, the Kickstarter people always say, is transparency matters a lot um, because you're you're basing this relationship on, on Kickstarter is all based on trust that you're going to deliver something. Now, we're not a new company. People know us, so they have a fairly good sense of what we stand for, and we think we've delivered goods to people that, that, that meet their expectations and, and hopefully even exceed them over a long period of time. Breaking that trust um, is, is actually worse than, than doing something that, that people are going to be comfortable with. So while, yes, we were a bit concerned that people would be like, wait, why are you doing this? What's going on? We think it was actually more important to be transparent with people and be clear why we're canceling it. So when we canceled it, we actually did, I believe it was four additional updates after it was canceled to sort of explain the process. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're canceling it. And we plan to come back um, on you know, March 12th, which is the day we launched the second one. So we were very clear to people why, why we stopped, what we were going to do, and when we were going to bring it back. And the good thing is, um, so far, in, in the last day and a half, um, the vast majority of comments we've gotten from people is like, this makes more, much more sense to me. And, of course, there's still people who don't quite get it. Um, we always kind of laugh on the internet reading comprehension is, is, is always a question mark for some people. It's like, and so people will post a question about, well, what about this? And then we don't even have to answer it because other backers will say, oh, if you read the thing, it says this, the answer is already there. So we, we tried to be very good about explaining what it was we were doing. And so far feedback has been good. Um, obviously, you know, we're, you know, a day and a half into this and we're already, you know, two thirds of the way to the goal that we set, um, which is exciting. So it definitely looks like we're on the path to being funded. And, so, and so, um, just so my listeners know, uh, when he, when you say two thirds of the way, cause that actually sounds un- not necessarily impressive. We're talking about the goal was $150,000 and you've already reached it to $108,000 in just that short amount of time. So that has been impressive. Right. Yeah. Um, so, well, it means that we, we, I think we've, we've hit the note that people wanted and, and in the comments that we've gotten and the feedback so far, um, you know, the vast majority of people have been very positive about what we've done in terms of, uh, restructuring the, the rewards, making it clear what it was we were funding, that it was an Android tablet version, that it was a Kindle Fire version, that it was the PC version on Steam, that that is what the Kickstarter was all about. It was clear. Um, but we still kept some of the really cool physical things that people in the, in the previous campaign really wanted to see, the, the designer edition of Small World, which will be a very high-end physical board game that we're doing with wooden tokens and, and you know really lots of neat, fun stuff. And the difference is that in the kick, you know, and this product might end up being available at retail, but the 
version the Kickstarter backers will get will be signed by the author. Um, it'll have their name engraved in it. Um, so it'll have some really cool stuff uh, that only Kickstarter backers will be able to get um, a way to make them special uh, and make them feel special about what it is that, we're, that, that they're, you know, again, supporting us in an early phase when we don't have all the answers to what the designer edition is going to sure. look like. So we only have just a couple minutes left here, but the question sure. is asked, and I know it's been asked of you, and I know it's been made many comments out there. Why is a large, successful company like Days of Wonder using Kickstarter? You don't need to use Kickstarter. Right. Um, the real reason is we still questioned what, I mean, we have been, since we first came out on iPad and iOS, um, almost any time we post anything about an update to a digital version, you know, 20 or 30 people immediately come back to us and go, Android, 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 how come you don't do an Android version? Well, we were never convinced that there actually really was a big market demand for that. And part of it is the fragmentation of it. Um, you know, on, on the, the Android market is, is not just a single platform. There are many, many permutations of it. It's starting to coalesce better. There are more clear ways to buy uh, apps. Um, but it's not, from a financial standpoint, it's not as clear-cut as the Apple, you know, clear conduit to the customer, which is there's only one place they can buy. Everyone goes to the same place to buy things, and that's kind of clear to us how we can make you know up, make money off of it, how we can get revenue from it. We were never quite convinced of the Google side uh, and the Android side, so one of the reasons we wanted to do Kickstarter was to say, okay, are there really people who are willing to pay for this? Are there really really people to step up and say, you know what, I'm willing to buy this? And that was it's what kicks one of the great things that Kickstarter is really good at is judging demand. Um, in addition to that. Some of these special versions of the cardboard side that we're doing, were, it's difficult to gauge what the appeal will be to them. So you could do 1,000 and then have a demand for 10,000 and you've got 9,000 happy customers that couldn't, couldn't get it. Um, you could do 10,000 and only have 1,000 people who want it. And then you've got 9,000 really expensive versions of a designer edition that no one wants. So part of it is it cuts back on a lot of the risk for some things that we wouldn't normally be able to do through the retail channel just by itself. Um, so that's kind of the second reason why we'll do it. It's not about, yes, we're a bigger, you know, uh, uh, established company is what I'll say. We're not big in the sense that we're, we're, we're an electronic arts. It's just, we've established ourselves. We've been around for a reasonable amount of time, um, and had some successful games, but this is a way to do things that we would otherwise not be able to do and to offer things to customers that we might not, otherwise be able to offer to them. Mark, I certainly appreciate you taking a few minutes to uh, just kind of talk about your project and give people, our listeners a perspective of just some of the same challenges that they have as small indies that you're faced with as well. I certainly appreciate you coming on the show and kind of sharing some of these details. Thanks. It was fun to talk to you. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Mark Kaufman, Vice President of Marketing for Days of Wonder. Their Kickstarter project is Small World 2. They canceled it in January Uh, learned a few things, and relaunched it in March to great success. And we appreciate him sharing a little bit of the insights of uh, the decision-making that they went through to cancel and to relaunch. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring that someday we know you're going to be the next Days of Wonder out there. So we're waiting to see your game on Kickstarter. Thank you for listening. Take care.